Hey, Senda. Hey, Phil. You want to talk about how Metatopia went? Oh my gosh. Yes. Cue music. And welcome to another Pandas Talking Games. I'm one of your dropping hosts, Phil. And I'm your other dropping host, Senda. And we just got back this week from Metatopia, which is why we are dropping. So we're going to chat about it for a little bit because it was truly amazing, as always. And then we are going to slip in just a little bit of our AP to kind of fill it out and keep this episode pretty short. And then you'll get more next week. Uh-huh. We'll tell all the really funny Metatopia stories next week. Right. Um, including the new game I'm writing, which is almost ready to be written. <laughs> it's, it's pretty darn good. Yep. Invented at Metatopia. So we went to Metatopia. Yeah, we did. Just as a quick recap for people, I think people know, if you've been listening to the show long enough, Metatopia is the game designers convention where game designers bring games to be playtested. So that's what we did. And yep. for our brief recap in this episode, uh, we are going to talk about the three games we brought and how they went. Yep. Um, and then, like you said, we'll slide into our AP and wrap the show up. So... Uh, Senda, we brought three games in total. Uh, let's let's talk about the one that was in that's the most mature, and we'll go from most mature to least mature. So, okay. um, first up was Turning Point. I know you're all shocked to hear that. <laughs> Why don't you tell us about what kind of test we did for Turning Point and how did it go? Right. So we did a high test for Turning Point, which is when you have basically you, you try and get a panel of people who are experts in that type of thing to play your game and then give you commentary on it. And I think that it went rather well. We learned some things from the folks who were playing with us that were really neat ways to kind of compartmentalize the kind of decisions that we make as humans when we, you know, make a decision about our safety versus our resources, like weighing those things, um, etc. Weighing that kind of stuff against each other and sort of the bins that you can split that kind of decision in, which I think is going to be a very useful lens to view things through for us with that game. What else did we, what else did we learn from that? <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I mean, overall, I think that session just went really well. It did, yeah. I'm trying to think, there weren't any earth-shattering takeaways. Like, we didn't leave no. going like, well, oh, no, we're we rewriting this thing, right? Yeah, like, no. we definitely didn't do that. Uh, yeah. I'm just taking a quick peek at my notes to see if we had anything from Turning Point. Uh, there was a good thing about NPC descriptions that I want to add in. Um, right. You know, oh, X I but Y. Like, yeah, they're loving really but good. unaccessible, like something like that. Yeah, quick description stuff for PCs to make them, NPCs to make them uh, a little bit more fleshed out quickly. Yeah, the, the rest of it was, there was more, like, things that will probably get written to sidebars of the book. Right, just sort um, of notes about play style stuff and, like, how to accomplish the goal of the game, which doesn't really affect the rules, but has a lot to do with creating the right sort of space and table culture to allow the game to do what we want it to do, right? Yeah. 
there was no so it was good so in terms of high test right like the thing you don't want to have have happen at a high test is like you suddenly want to redesign your entire game yeah because um, high test means you're like done High test, like, uh, it doesn't actually not, mean not you're done, done. done, but it means we, you're like far along. We use it that way, right? So we yeah. use it as um, like we don't bother high testing stuff. We didn't do it for Hydro Hackers. We didn't do it for Turning Point. We don't high test things till we think we're really close. Right. Um, but you could certainly have your high test if you were less sure of your design and wanted like some deeper insight. But yeah, we were yeah. kind of looking at it more as a confirmatory. Like we've play tested yeah. Turning Point a bunch of times over the last year. It's been really well received when we played it. Just what do a panel of experts think, right? So, um, yep, a panel of experts who haven't played it before because yeah. I mean that we haven't played it with people who are, you know, good at this stuff. So. Yeah, yeah. So, all in all, I was happy with our high test, and I think our high testers were also happy with the game. Yeah, I know that it had the kind of emotional impact that we look for from it, right? You made a couple hugs. Yeah, a couple hugs. We got tears. I'm- yep. It's Which, not the first time that's happened. That's not the first time it happens, which it's means... It's not my goal in the game to make people cry, but, no. you know, it does tell me something about the emotional intensity that we can accomplish. It does indeed. So uh, I was very happy with that. Anyway, uh, the next <laughs> game we brought in terms of maturity was Long Live the Queen, mm-hmm. which is our espionage game of women, courtly women spies in the 17th century. Yep. That high test, if you don't mind me... Um, talking about this one yeah I, that wasn't a high test though right i'm sorry not high test that play test it was an alpha yeah um so first of all i mean there was a nice compliment that people were like this looks way more polished than an alpha but that's just because i'm i'm handy with illustrator right so i think what i took away from i think what i took away from it is that we still don't have secrets down right like the design right. for secrets is not right and it's something that glenn who's also a friend of the show uh, in my game group uh, and runs the um, Day of Fate here in Buffalo. It's um, He's helping out with developing the fate portion of the game. You're kind of helping me with the courtly portion of the game. It's clear that whatever design we have isn't quite right. And so Glenn and I just have to kind of go back to the drawing board for that. What I did take away positively was people really dig this setting. Yeah, it's very cool. And they definitely were totally into that. So, yeah, like yeah. there's no problem with the the setting and premise. Like people totally love it. I really am just trying to get something to make information gathering more interesting than a couple of overcome checks. I don't necessarily know if we've completely gotten there yet, but I feel like, I don't know, I feel like some more work is needed. I'm okay with that. Yeah, it was like, an alpha. Right? It's yeah. an alpha. Like uh, what an alpha, what an alpha is for uh, us, is really proof of should we keep making this game, or should we cut our losses? Right. Right. So, so this we is continue to invest time and energy in this yeah, concept. This is the fail early, fail often. Right. Yeah. So the alpha was really important to me to see that did a random group of people think that this game was interesting enough to play, and you know at the same time did some of the mechanics that we have work. And so I think mission stress worked. I don't yeah. think information gathering worked. So right. We're back to the drawing board on that piece, but I definitely think the setting is a keeper. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. Okay. Good. That's um. That right. was That's Long Live the Queen. Long Live the Queen. 
Uh, and the third one, I'm going to turn over to you because the third one is kind of your baby. It is kind of my baby. <laughs> and you and you basically ran the alpha, I observed. So um, Right. You're my secretary. You took all the notes. Yeah. Tell me about Great. Connections. Yeah. So Connections is our sort of latest game, and it is pretty... I mean, I would say that it's very early alpha, except we have a very short version of it that's sort of functional and works, right? Um, we have a prototype. We have a prototype, right? But we're looking at it in terms of a larger game also. The idea behind this game, it's not one that we've really talked about a lot before, is that it is a game about building connections between two people. It is a two-player game. Um, and it's played by building a dice tower and talking through scenes as you place those dice. So... It's very cool. It's been through a couple of very basic iterations already, but this was the first time that it had been playtested by, like, not me. So we pulled in Alex Roberts, and we had uh, four people, and I facilitated two separate games of connections simultaneously. I was just kind of talking them through what to do and kind of watching over them like Big Brother. Well, Phil took all the notes. All of the notes. Boy, um, you make it sound like I took a lot of notes. I don't know. Did you take a lot of notes? <laughs> took some notes. <laughs> I'm not the best um, note taker. I was trusting you to pay attention to that other table because I was closer to the one. Oh, I took notes of the other table, but like yeah, of okay. the general discussion, I think I it took some. Okay. Well. Anyway. Anyway. Um, all of that aside, uh, that is the game that was probably the most alpha, I think, of the games that we brought. And... I was really pleased with the results because what ended up happening is I had playtested it twice here with Andy, once in its current form and once in the form before that that didn't really work. And the experiences that I witnessed at Metatopia from the other two sets of people who playtested it lined up pretty much perfectly with my second playtest, which was the same version that we were doing. It revealed some things that um, are going to need some clarity in the rules to make sense. But, you know, other than that, I think it's a really solid start. Like, it's not, like, done-done. But Nope. It's, you know, like we say with a good alpha, like, it's worth now investing another round of effort. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, it's good. It was yeah. good. I it, I actually was fun to watch yeah. and listen. Oh, yeah. The feedback we got from the players was very good. Yeah. I noticed a few things as well. So yeah. I think there's probably room for a play mat. Yeah, um, yeah, that was a comment, and, and, and that comes right down to those darn D12s not having regular flat sides. Yeah, there's, there's right some... Right angle directions. There's <laughs> like, some need for a playmat. There were some issues about keeping track of which dice to use. There, there were some procedural things that our prototype, which we wrote very tight and small, didn't cover, that we, I think, can do a lot better when we write out the full game. So. Yeah. I was I was overall very pleased. Like, yeah, I was overall very pleased. I thought it 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 definitely worked. Um, yes, it people, definitely worked. People and, cringed placing dice. Oh yeah, and, dice towers, towers collapsed. Fell. They, they fell. Both tables had some collapsing issues. I found a really interesting emergent play thing about the collapsing dice that like. It's actually not terrible to have a collapse mid-game, like a setback yeah. in the story, and then grow Rebuild. forward based on what dice are available at the end versus the beginning. And so I I'm, I really I I was I was very encouraged. Like we'll be working on that one later in 2019 and into 2020, but I really kind of dug I kind of really dug where we got it to so yeah. far. Yeah, I'm really happy with it. Cool. <laughs> 
All right. So overall, Metatopia was then a success. We brought three games. We brought three games. We're leaving working on three games. Yep. We um, didn't trash any babies. <laughs> we didn't. Yeah, we didn't. We didn't we, kill any darlings. <laughs> no, we didn't kill any darlings. I'm still... I don't have the right feel yet for Long Live the Queen. I know it is not a Powered by the Apocalypse game. Like, right. I'm resisting every urge. Like, it's not a Powered by the Apocalypse game. And I think it's too light to be a um, Bleeds style right, game. Was, that was the next one that I was going to ask about because you are like a group of people working against another group of people. And uh, has yeah. Specific, like. Faces. Yeah, but uh, yeah, but no, like I, I mean, I don't think it. I don't think that one will work. I'm I'm comfortable with it being. I'm comfortable being in fate with it. I. I have a question for you. I'm just going to ask you on air and put you in the spot. Yeah, sure. I'm all is for it, that. Is it a sequence RPG game? I have toyed with that idea. Yeah. Um, it doesn't still. It doesn't solve my. You so still have to solve the secret problem. The yeah. secret problem is actually my big problem, right? Like I once I kind of figure out how to conceptualize secrets, and then uh, I'll be better off. I that's why I think this game will still work in fate because I think once I can get a better grasp on how to, I say I, but this is really like a team effort. <laughs> once we, once we have a design that works for secrets. The rest of the game works fine because the rest of the game works fine in Fate. In fact, people really liked it that way. Right. And really what I, it comes down to is that my desire is that getting secrets in the game, getting secrets in the game is, is, a, is a central part of the game. And just having it as a simple overcome role is just too simplistic. Like, it's not that's not fun because it puts the effort on the action after the secret and not so much the getting the secret. And I want the action on getting secrets because I think courtly women spies is all about seduction, deception, and you know that kind of that kind of dance. And that's what I don't have yet. Yeah, we should move on because this is dangerous. Because I will start just throwing design ideas at you. Yeah, it's okay. We don't <laughs> definitely. I'm definitely not designing this week, right? Like this is. Um, yeah. Not my design week. Okay, good. So that's Metatopia wrapped up. Next week, we'll come back and tell you the funny Metatopia stories because there are funny stories. We had a lot of. Oh um, my gosh. We did a lot. And, and I think we'll <laughs> even unpack a little bit more Metatopia stuff because uh, we were actually in. I was in uh, just two panels. You were like in nine. I was the panel queen. Right. <laughs> Um, so we could talk, we can, we can unpack some of that. We'll unpack yeah. some of the funny stories. Yeah. You know, me and Andy Serkin, we're like this now we're besties. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he sticks his head in and gives me the five minute warning every time, you know, five more minutes, Senda, right? Like, yeah. no, I think he just said that in any panel during the, right. He just stick his head and be like, okay, Senda, five more minutes. Oh, you're not Senda. Weird. Right. I also <laughs> went to a couple of other panels that you, um, we went to one together on consent and I went to another one on queer world building and all of those were really good. Anyway, we'll bring those all up next yeah, time. Yeah. In the meantime, yeah. uh, with the remainder of our time this evening, yes. I thought we would do another installment because we did our first session and then we jammed a grab bag. I know. Um, and so, uh, I, I, you know, our, our poor listeners are waiting for the next installment. Of our legacy weapon campaign, right? The Chronicles, what do we call it? The Chronicles of the Raven Eye? The Raven's Eye? 
That sounds right. Something like that. <laughs> you thought it was a really nifty name when, I, when really I was listening good. to the podcast. Yeah, Yeah, you said it, and it was great. All right, good. Anyway, why don't we pick up where we left off? I will do a brief recap, and we'll get started. So um, remind me again of the name of your character. Her name is Anadara. Anadara. That's, uh, that I have it written right here. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. Anadara what, I see Blackwing. What, so Anadara Blackwing is a paladin of Morales, the forger of dark destiny. And you were chasing after a fugitive by the name of Morden Kellen. Yes. Um, and, and we established in the uh, we established in the first thing that Morden Kellen stole a wrought iron raven's feather. We don't know what its significance is yet, other than obviously the raven is a symbol of Morales, and clearly this feather has something to do has something to do with her worship, uh, whatever. Which is fine. That's perfect. You tracked uh, Morden to a uh, temple. An old temple, long, uh, long forgotten in the mountains, that was um, once in worship to Erlis, the queen of Horfrost and Woe. And in trying to capture Morden along with some other townsfolk, you woke something called the Ice Angel when Morden bumped into it. And uh, all hell broke loose. And townspeople died, and Morden ran deeper into the temple, and you got separated from everyone else and went down a hall, fell into an oubliette, where you found your legacy weapon. Yep. And then escaped a bunch of icicles that jumped out at me and tried to stab me to death. I uh, stab you and crush you. Yep. To be honest. Yeah, um, all of those things happen. Yeah, it's good After, for both. <laughs> yeah, I should say when I picked up my weapon, um, I, I had those moments of a bunch of different flashbacks of basically moments of, of seeing and feeling things about this weapon and its previous owners. And so I, I shouldn't say owners, I should say wielders, previous carriers. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and you actually bonded so well to the weapon that it granted you a permanent it granted you one of its abilities it transferred it to you yep and that is cast a spell are you ready to begin yep So, having crawled out of the oubliette, uh-huh. as I recall, you can actually detect the direction of Morden, right? Oh, can I? I forget. Don't. What are your uh, What are your paladin powers while you're oh, questing? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. Oh, yeah, an unwavering sense of direction. Yeah, yeah, I can. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so. It's okay. I understand your character better than you do. It's okay. You you actually do. You have actually played significantly more Dungeon World and Apocalypse World in general than I have. Right. So your homework is going to be to like study up on your character sheet and moves. Thanks. So you know, as you crawl out of uh, out of the oubliette and as it fills with ice beneath you, you are laying on the stone hallway that represents the top of the oubliette because the worshippers of Erlis would throw heretics and stuff down into these oubliettes and watch them be impaled and crushed with ice. So 
you're uh, laying on the hallway, and uh, the hallway in one direction goes back towards the Ice Angel. But you can sense that Morden has gone deeper into the temple. And so the hallway extends in the opposite direction from the from the Ice Angel and leading you further further inside the temple. So do you want to take your chance with the Ice Angel or do you want to try to go in the direction of Morden? Oh no, I am I am bound to collect Morden. I mean not collect him. By collect I mean murder him. Yes. And yeah. recover and recover said uh And recover said feather. I mean I guess I don't have to murder him to recover said feather, but you know Paladin's gotta do what a paladin's gotta do. He broke the law. He uh, should have indeed. known better. Yep, absolutely. So it's only what's coming to him, really. Yes. Okay. So you venture further down the hall and uh this hallway has a um, collection of various carvings, kind of mosaics, other pieces of art that all depict Erlis. And uh, it's just a mixture of both her infinite beauty and her unfathomable cruelty. Various graphics of her standing over worshippers and even worse, heretics being tortured and subjected to all sorts of um, trials of pain. And as you move along, you see that the hallway is coming to an end. And that end is a doorway that was probably once completely closed. But now, because things have shifted inside the temple over time, the doorway itself, the frame of the doorway, has shifted such that the door cracked and splintered a bit. So it's really like three it's like two-thirds of a door not a full door um it's closed and kind of it's closed and kind of wedged shut but there's enough pieces missing that you can kind of see into the room and you can see from the distance you're at already you can see bookshelves line the far wall of this room uh how do you want to approach well i'm a little bit leery of the floor around here now because that was an interesting experience. So, uh, and and quite honestly, I feel very good about this rapier, and it feels like it fits in my hand very well. So I'm not putting it away. I, I, I it's very, um, it feels very confidence-inducing, right? And I know that I am on the path that Morales has set for me because it is in my hand as I go forward. So I will walk right up to the door, and I want to look through it. Okay. So enough of the doors missing that you actually, like, once you're close enough, you can look in and see about the room. Uh, The room is definitely a library of sorts. Probably too small to be, like, a a library for all the worshippers, but probably more selective. It's a smaller, it's a smaller room. But in its day when the temple was fully active, all the walls of the room were bookshelves. There is a large table in the middle of the room, but now as time has passed, many of the books on the bookshelves have fallen off. There are a number of them on the ground. There's some piles of books along like the back wall, and um, there's some books open on the table and some papers kind of strewn about. In, in total, the room is kind of a wreck. 
but there's still, like I said, a lot of books. And you also notice that in the rafters of the ceiling, so the ceiling has some like exposed rafters, like where the lighting once hung, Mm -hmm. there are some like frozen goblins like just hanging on the chandelier, like just kind of like slumped over, like frozen on the chandelier. And there's no light source uh, in the room. Like you're just kind of getting from ambient light because it was daytime when you arrived at the temple and light kind of shows in through some cracks in the ceiling and things like that. But not, you know, it's, it's still pretty shadowy in there. Well, until there were dead goblins hanging from the chandelier, I was just going to kick the door in. But now I'm less sure. (laughs) Is this door the kind of door that I'm basically going to have to punch my way through because it will no longer open? Or if I, like, just try the knob, does it still feel like it could move? Uh, The knob's unlocked, but just, like, the slight testing of the door, the, um, it's pretty wedged. Mm-hmm. Like the door frame kind of shifted and kind of broke part of the door, but kind of the rest of the door wedged into place. Yeah, it just settled like all of its weight onto the door. Yeah, so you can just like basically push your way through this door, but you're pretty sure it'll make like it's going to make some noise. Right, but this is also the direction that I know that Morden went in, yes? Yes. So, all right. So, you know, I'm just going to, I am just going to kick in the door and we're just going to take whatever comes, right? So I'm going to like literally do the thing where I, I just, I, um, you know, lean off to the side and use my foot and just kick the door in. Literally. All right. It, it takes several kicks, so there's nothing subtle about it. Right. But you eventually kick in the door. You enter the room fully, and what you additionally see now that you've entered is that to the left of the door on the left wall, the kind of the part of the room that was a bit obscured based on the you know how you could see into the room, right. there is another door. That door is closed, but that door is like off to the left as well. So now you have this kind of like heaps of books against the walls and books on the floor and some frozen goblins on the ceiling and some things on the table. What do you want to do? So I will cautiously approach the books on the table and I want to see without touching them what they kind of look like they're open to. Because these are the ones that look like they may have been left in this position intentionally at some point. Or someone was, like, reading them and then ran off or whatever, yeah? Um, Or does it look random? Well, I think this is a good place to trigger a move. What? (laughs) Um, So, when you closely study a situation or person, so we're going to do discern realities. Uh Which, you know, again, not supposed to say the names of the moves, but whatever. I didn't say You didn't, I did. Right, I did. I'm just, I'm literally doing the thing. I'm describing to you what I'm doing. I'm being a very good Dungeon World player. You are doing a very (laughs) good job, and I think this is a perfect time for discern realities. So um, give me a roll plus wisdom. Ew. (laughs) Four. (laughs) Okay. So um, I'm going to let you ask, I'm going to let you ask one question from the list, Uh and then I'm going to make a move. Yeah, and I get an experience point for that, yeah? You do indeed. Because that stunk. Okay, good. 
One question from the list. Let's see. Feel like I should ask you, what should I be on the lookout for? That is a uh, more than fair question. Yeah. Um, and the answer to that are the three goblins that uh, come to, uh, I don't want to say the word life, but become animated and drop from the ceiling about you. So right. I will make a I will make a move. They land. Two of them land on the table. The last one lands on your back and uh, roll a d6. Ew. For damage. One. Oh, I guess okay. at least if it's not going to roll well for me, at least it's not rolling well for you either. <laughs> Do you have any armor? Oh, y- yes. I-, I know what I'm doing seriously. Yes, my armor is two. That means that I take none, right? Yes. So um, that goblin lands on your back and has this icy spike in its hand and goes to drive it into your back. But what kind of armor are you wearing? I'm wearing scale armor. Okay, so I'm assuming you're wearing scale under your wraps. Yes. It is okay. well, it's one of those things where like I'm all wrapped up but like every like every like where the fabric separates a little bit, you can just see the glint of steel with yep. like the scale peeking through kind of thing. Yeah. So the the icy dagger just like breaks on <laughs> like on but you still have a goblin on, um, on your back. And the other two having seen the goblin land, they also have these icy spikes and are kind of like now kind of walking across the table at you. They don't say anything and their movements are like a bit, they're not natural. Like they're like a bit stiff and kind of jerky as they're, Hmm. as they're moving towards you. Okay. Uh, What do you do? So I've clearly already been attacked. So I feel like at this point, obviously discussion, the time for words is, past before I even noticed that it was a thing because that's just who Anadara is um, mm-hmm. basically this is the first time I've ever actually fought with this rapier and it's different because I used to have more of a slashing sword and this is definitely a stabbing kind of situation in terms of how I'll use it and so there's like a moment there's the goblin on my back and I like have but it like slams the ice spike down does nothing to me and I like have that split second of hefting the rapier in my hand just to kind of feel the weight of it and its balance and then I basically am going to drive forward and just try to drive it into one of them and then like slash across and hopefully smack the other one in the face are you doing anything about the one on your back no I'm not actually Okay, good. So you're attacking the two that are coming across the table. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so go ahead and roll hack and slash. That's roll plus strength. Oh, I'm sorry. You can roll plus dex. I can. Can I pick which one? Uh, you can. Okay, I would much rather roll with strength. <laughs> okay. It, with this particular wielder of this weapon, I would rather roll with strength. Good. I got an eight. Excellent. So on a seven to nine, you deal damage to the enemy and the enemy makes an attack against you. Yes. So go ahead and give me roll for damage. Okay. Good. Uh, Holy cow. Nine. Yes. You plunge the rapier through this frozen goblin uh, and shatter it into pieces about the table. Yeah. And I whip it out 
as it shatters. Uh, before it before it before it dies, it also um, thrusts forth its ice, for lack of a better term, spear uh-huh. um, at you. Go ahead and roll one d six. Okay. For damage. Jeez, I rolled a one again. I promise I'm not lying. I I trust you implicitly. Okay. Um, <laughs> like. So it stabs against you. It also breaks. Uh, it, it that that weapon breaks on you as it shatters. So yes, you have managed to fend off the first one. The second one is still crawling across your back and is pulling at your robes that are wrapped around your armor. Well, that's going to be problematic. Okay, uh, what do you do? The uh, other one is closing in uh, as well. So the, you shattered one, but the other one is closing in also with a you know jagged piece of ice to try to stab you with. So I'm going to, in one smooth movement, I will s- toss the rapier from my right hand to my left hand, reach back, grab the goblin by the nape of the neck as it's crawling up me, and I just want to rip it off of me and slam it down onto the table in front of me. Okay. Is your intent to just get it off your back, or is your intent to is your intent to harm it and kill it? Um, I'm hoping that I can shatter it on the table, so we'll go with that. I want to murder Okay, it. so again, this will be another hack and slash. Yep. And this is definitely strength, because you're, uh, what you call it? I'm literally just brute forcing it off my back, yeah. Exactly. Uh, nine, ten. Woohoo! Ten, you deal your damage to the enemy and avoid their attack. I will give you the option, I don't think you need to use it here, but uh, always with a ten plus, instead of instead of dealing your damage and avoiding their attack, you can choose to do an additional 1d6 damage, but expose yourself to the attack. Nah, I think these dudes are, of course, I just rolled a two, but, you know. <laughs> okay, and what did you roll? Uh, your d10? Yep, but I rolled a two. Okay, okay. Yep, just wanted to make sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, just for our listeners who may not be familiar, in Dungeon World, your playbook determines your damage die for whatever weapon you use, which is kind of cool because it doesn't make you so as so much reliant on weapons as it is just narrating your attacks. So a shield bash, a punch, a, a sword slam. slash, yeah. a table slam, all of that does the same damage. Which um, in, and in your case, case is a D10. A D10, yep. Yeah. Okay, good. All right, yeah, you pull that one off and slam it on the table. It's it's hurt, like parts of it break off, but it is not it is not by any means dead, although it looks pretty terrible. The other one is now coming at you and is readying a swing with its chunk of ice. What do you um what are you doing? Yeah, this is the point at which I so basically I I complete the motion, right? Like I have goblin in my hand from my back and I like swing it over my head slam it down like I'm holding onto its face at this point slam it down onto the table then just let go toss my rapier back into my right hand and just stab right into the other one as it gets close to me okay go ahead roll again do do ay 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 oi oi that's a three <laughs> yeah so um uh-huh. <laughs> so with a three experience um, for me <laughs> you mark experience i'll make a move yeah so um it charges it charges right like it runs full speed at you with this chunk of ice and actually hits you really hard so first of all roll for damage mm-hmm. for its damage yeah Okay, so even though it doesn't actually penetrate your armor, what it does manage to do 
is it runs across the table and it like leaps at you and hits you in the chest and knocks you off of like off your feet into a pile of in like into one of the bookcases uh, and books from the bookcase like fall on top of you. So you fall backwards. You are covered by these books. And the last thing that you see, the last thing you see as the books are coming down on you is that the goblin on the table is extends its hands and readies another icy blade and kind of preps itself for its next attack. And then like this book falls on top of your head and the lights go out. That's awesome. Okay, good. That's fair. All right, so Just we'll leave it there. Yeah. Yeah, we'll pick up that fight. <laughs> uh, we'll pick up that fight in our next episode. But good. And we'll talk a little bit at the top of the next uh, episode about some of the things that uh, that kind of happened because I did a couple of soft moves and hard moves and things like that. So yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. Good. All right. Well, then we should wrap this up. And uh, before we can get to the closing. We should first uh, talk about another fab show on the Misdirected Mark Network. So what is that show? That show today is The Lounge. On The Lounge, Doc finds the best, the brightest, the most fun game designers and sits down to have a cool chat with them. You never know what conversation is going to come up on The Lounge. Yeah, Doc's awesome. Yeah, good conversations. Good good times. Cool. Hey, send up. Where can people reach us on the internet? Well, you can find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Pandas Talk Games. You can find us for the moment in the misdirected Mark Google Plus community, and we'll figure out where that's going to kind of move to or what we're going to do with it. Um, or if you prefer, you can drop us an email, panda at misdirectedmark.com. I'm going to say right now, because it's Thursday, and I may or may not have gotten to this by Monday, I've been con dropping, and I know that I have some emails in that email address from you wonderful, wonderful people, and I will get to them as soon as I have the brain power to do it. <laughs> Amen. What else can people do with that information once they have it? So, by all means, please send us topics. We love to talk about things that you find interesting. We're happy to answer all manner of questions regarding gaming. And as, you know, we've done our normal stuff, our GMing advice, but feel free to ask questions about our actual play. So if you're wondering kind of why I did a certain thing or, you know, a decision that I made or a decision that Senda made... You can just ask us those questions and we'll be happy to uh, shed some insight on what's going on. If you have ideas for, uh, as the game unfolds, if you have ideas for future scenes or future plots, we'll, well, you know what? You can't, you can send them, send them, but mark them like four fill. Yeah, right. So that I don't open them. <laughs> yeah. But maybe you want to just send some high level stuff and then I'll just, I'll brain just it out it from in. there. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. In. Yeah. Hey, what's the thing you can do with our social media information that like we didn't do while we were yeah, in Utopia? We really didn't. Rob did. Rob was good. Uh, you can send us your table selfies. So I know. All, I, I think that's a clue. Everyone. I know it might be a clue. Everyone and their mom is was at conventions this last weekend while I was sitting around editing this episode. So hopefully you remember to take some selfies of you t- playing those awesome games with those awesome people at a Catacon and Yukon and Gamehole Con and all the cons. Con on the Cob. Con on the Cob. Good heavens. What con wasn't going on this weekend? Um, Metatopia. Yeah. Metatopia was last weekend. 
<laughs> my gosh. Good. Yeah. So hopefully you took some of those selfies. So hashtag them table selfie and put them on the social media of your choice and we will swing by and like them. Indeed. If you like what we do here elsewhere on the Misdirected Mark Network, you can always join our Patreon. Patrons of the show get all sorts of uh, goodies. They get access to the Slack Room for Life. They get the show notes, which are pretty brief this week, but uh, we promise we'll do better in the next week or two to to flesh those out. Patrons also get access to um, other goodies like the bonus outtakes, the Misdirected Mark after show, and often get, um, if you are a high enough patron, often get freebies as Encoded Designs publishes stuff. Like, that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so membership has its, uh, its rewards. Uh, we also like to do some patron shout outs. I'll just kick it over to, uh, send us and tell us, um, who we're shouting out to this week. Well, this week we have a shout out to Thomas Bagley, the minister of overly pedantic wombats, which is like <laughs> Interesting. a really good court title. I'm very pleased that in my court, there is a minister of overly pedantic wombats. Quincy Jackson. Hey, Quincy. Thank you. Gosh, I love your Tales from the Loop game. Can't wait to play that again. And that's your Quincy. That's my Quincy, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That campaign sounds pretty zany. Good. Zany, but but so good. And Justin Schmid. Thank you so much, Justin. Awesome. Uh, if you're already back in the Patreon or unable to back the Patreon, which is perfectly fine, there's another thing you can do that is a huge help for us um, that helps keep the show relevant, keep the show uh, up in the lists in iTunes. Uh, Apple Podcasts, I believe it's called, yeah, but you know it right. as iTunes. Yeah, yeah. And 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 helps us solidify the topic of uh, RPG Panda uh, in <laughs> all in all uh, podcast searches. Uh, what's that thing? It. Yes, you can leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice, because every new review that you leave us both makes us super duper giddy and might help combat the con drop. And also it helps new people find the show and like moves us up the ranks and stuff. So we really, really, really super duper, 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 duper appreciate it. Yeah, we do. <laughs> so yeah, absolutely. Do that thing. Do it. Say, Senda, how is Anadara going to get out of this precarious situation? This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Blooky. Check, check. Did you clicky? I clickied. I clickied. <laughs> okay. I was being good. I was being really quiet. So in case you had to noise gate my track, you'd have a couple seconds of... Uh... Yeah. Of noise. I can always find because our tracks are separate. I can always find some. Hey, we're um, we're recording post Metatopia. Mm-hmm. I'm dropping. I think we're tired. I think I've reached the second phase of drop, the emotional drop. I've yeah. been staving it off all day, and there's yeah. two chocolate Hostess cupcakes and uh, and a thing of chocolate milk in the fridge that says I may yet stave it off. Um, we're going to, to talk about Metatopia during the show, and then we're going to tell funny Metatopia stories next Monday, um, uh -huh. because because uh, we have some <laughs> such stories include uh, Phil's trip to the <laughs> Container Store, 
<laughs> uh, um, send a talking safety at John Stravopoulos. <laughs> that one's pretty funny. Otherwise known as John who? Send... Um, <laughs> no, no. Otherwise known as Senda doesn't recognize people by their faces. Uh-huh. And then later is like, oh, snap. And <laughs> random dudes hitting on Senda. Yeah, random creepy dudes in airports. WTF, guys, don't do it. Luckily, yeah. I was there for the rescue call. Yeah, seriously. Anyway, we're going to talk about those in detail on the... Um, on the outtakes for the next show, but we're recording on a Friday night. This thing has yeah. to drop on Monday. Uh, yeah. And so time is of the essence. We did not want to leave you without anything. So yep. uh, we're going to jump right into the show. There probably won't be too much in the way of uh, outtakes unless something goes hilariously wrong. Um, always possible. Always possible. Not uh, predicting a long one, um, but we're going to try to give you a little... Um, uh, just a little bit of stuff and stuff so that you have uh, something for your Monday. All right. You ready to do this? Yep. All right. Here we go. Meow. Meow. Bloop. Hey, damn it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, yes, I guess <laughs> apparently are. we are going to have material because <laughs> Senna doesn't know how to... Senna doesn't know how to operate the beginning of the show. (laughs) No, there's just enough Google delay. I couldn't tell if you were just staring at me or if you knew that you were starting and leaving me a pause. Now, all right, let's try it again. Take two. Bloop. Are you going to (laughs) meow? Oh, do I need to meow again? I was carefully being very quiet. Oh, boy. (laughs) Meow. Are you you done laughing? Because it also doesn't work. (laughs) Now you're just making me laugh more. Okay. Meow. Meow. Bloop. Hey, Senda. Hey, Phil. You, uh, next time you write the show notes, you want to put a <laughs> question in? I should put a question in. <laughs> Oops. Pause, and I'll do the question again. <laughs> Sorry. Bloop. Wait, wait. You should look at the end. We should probably fix that before we go further. <laughs> No, that's fine. I got that okay. thing. Okay, good. All right. <laughs> Take three. Okay. Bloop. Meow. Meow. Your meow is broken. Yeah, sorry. It's all you're getting for tonight. Bloop. Boom, boom. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do
Cat Robin would be proud of me. I was practicing my calligraphy when I wrote it on my character sheet. Aw, see? That's very nice. Okay. <laughs> Bloop! Sorry. Yeah, it's okay. We never record this early. Here are all the reasons why. Right. <laughs> Bloop! Okay, ooh, I kicked my mic. <laughs> That'll be, a nice, that'll be a nice waveform. Um, just kick the door. Bloop. I am wearing... Uh, wow, I fail at district descriptive text. Bloop. It's a D10. I don't even have a D10. <laughs> I fail. I fail at role-playing games. I lose. I lose role-playing. There we go. Okay. Cut all of this, future Senda. The thing you should do besides... Uh, Oh, this is awful no, because no. we let didn't. Me, ex- so let me let me lead you into it better. Thank you. Yeah. Bloop. I guess we'll find out next time. <laughs> Show, Show me, me what, what you got. got. <laughs> Show me what Show you me got. got. Show me what you got. All right, that's yeah. not bad. With that gap for um, your phone call, yeah, this should actually be pretty reasonable. Bad. Yeah, I was just like, but I was like looking at it, getting anxious. Like, I don't think we have time to finish fighting two more goblins and get to a no. You were you were really good. Room. Good like, good eye on the right. Good eye on the time. Like no, and a good cliffhanger too, because yeah. that was a um, there, good hit. There was still something to cliffhanger on, mm-hmm. right? All right, we should uh, punch out. Mic drop. No, say goodbye. <laughs> Can I punch the mic though? Yeah, you can punch whatever mic you want. Bye! You missed, Bye! It was so much fun. I got to punch the mic because I was being you and Andy and I stole your Twitch stream. Okay, I'm going to punch it now. Ready? Here we go. Yeah. <laughs>